What's up, everyone? My name is Kyle, and this is the Pain Cave Chronicles podcast, featuring yours truly and two of my best friends, Cody and Sean. Here, we're going to be breaking down our interesting relationship with endurance training. We're going to be chatting through marathon training, including nutrition, injury prevention, mindset, gear, and because we already dedicate too much time to discussing English football, we thought we would also add to each episode our own hot takes on the goings-on in the Premier League. So sit back, don't relax too much, and join us in exploring the pain cave all right ladies and gentlemen this is episode four of the pain cave chronicles you are here with all three of us i am kyle obviously my guests are cody and sean i say guests as if they're not like we're a trio that's all it is to it Um, it's a co-host situation exactly um and we are getting through another week of marathon training towards the Buffalo Marathon with a tune-up half marathon in April uh, here in Albany. It has been a week of progress. It has been a week of Olympic trials. And I will also say for a little bit of, uh, you know, fear factor in the episode to the listeners, there was perhaps some injury scares. But I can tell you that we are all here smiling on a FaceTime call with each other, and we are excited to still continue the journey towards wherever we're really going <laughs> towards 26.2 and beyond and beyond. and beyond we're still here um and obviously uh if, if, if there's time you know we went pretty long last time we'll, we'll get some prem talk in just because there was some good games over the last four or five days but mainly we will start off with going over our weeks of training and because we have left Sean as third, I believe at least two of the think, three previous right. episodes. So it's perfectly time to roll out the red carpet and Sean tells us a bit about what he's been up to this week. Not going to lie, I was enjoying the uh, the best for last route, but we'll switch That's it up. I'll true. go first. Yeah. Um, I had a good running week for the most part. I got 30.5 miles in, um, started off the week on monday with a four and a half mile run at an 848 pace i was trying to just kind of go for a little bit faster um had around like a high 147 to 148 heart rate which was decent definitely want to get it down a little bit um tuesday i chose to slow it down and just kind of do like an easy three at 940 i actually had a few more miles mapped out but um i was feeling kind of tired from the sunday or from the saturday barn loop that we did so i just kind of wanted to listen to my body slow it down a little bit um and kind of just watch my heart rate i've been really trying to focus on how low i can get my heart rate at my easy pace so that was like 139 to 140 so that was kind of nice wednesday took a total rest day didn't do a dang thing uh walked the dog which is kind of like my activity for those down days thursday i had a six mile tempo interval sprint session uh this one was awesome i really liked this it was a mile and a half warm-up at around a 10.08 i wanted to make sure i kind of stayed within zone two and then i had a mile on at 6.43 a mile off at 10.38 and another mile back on at 6.35 and then a mile and a half cool down at 9.40 i kind of wanted to hit two things in that uh make sure i stay in zone two and keep my heart rate down 
and then run a mile at a little bit faster than what I want to do for the half marathon coming up for um, in April. If I want to hit a 130 for that, I got to be running at a 652. So I've been trying to consistently do like, you know, my interval sessions up it from 800 meters to a to a mile. And that felt pretty good. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to kind of build off of that and see where that goes. But I really enjoyed that workout. Um, Friday, base run, five miles at just under a 10 minute pace just to kind of get some recovery in. That was my first run in the um, Invincible Threes. And I got to say, I have not traditionally been a Nike shoe runner, but the cushion on those, my God, was truly (laughs) wonderful. Um, I am a big fan of those shoes and I will be using those moving forward for, for most of my base runs and recovery runs. So that was a real treat. Uh, Saturday rested and on Sunday I did the barn loop by myself for the first time. I've every single time I've done that, I've I've run with Kyle or run with Kyle and Cody. First time ever by myself. And I was funny, I was actually having this debate of like, do I bring my phone? Do I listen to a podcast? And I yeah. chose to just do it with my thoughts. Scary idea, but I actually <laughs> loved it. Um it was a beautiful sunny day. I felt like uh it was like the first day I was like, oh, maybe winter is is winding down. The sun just felt different, but it was really good. But I didn't do it like the typical 12 miles. I actually, Kyle, got some inspiration from your long run and broke it up. I did four by four by four. So four miles off, four miles um, on and four miles to to wrap it up, cool down. The first four miles was at a 940 pace, again, trying to just stay at the peak end of my zone two, and I'm, I'm really trying to kind of like expand that and improve there. The middle four, I wanted to get between a 630 and a 750. Um, for those of you who have heard about this barn loop, the middle four miles contain three very treacherous hills. Um, sprinting up of those was a nightmare. That was not fun, but it was nice to kind of mix in some fast miles with some hill work. I think that's really where I'm going to get a lot of value with increasing my speed long term. And then I finished the final four miles at a 940 pace, and it felt really good. I came away feeling really encouraged from that run. Uh, Definitely was feeling a little achy in the left shin slash like lower half of my calf. That's kind of an injury I've been working through the last uh, week or so, but managing it well, you know, had rest day today and um, we'll get back at it maybe tomorrow or the next day depending on how that bad boy feels. So 30.5 miles total, mix of base running and interval workouts. Uh, really, really enjoyed this last week. I I did want to, one thing I was planning on asking you about were, I saw that you turned the barn loop into a, a four by four by four, which sounds mm-hmm. awful knowing that. <laughs> Truly. Um, and uh, I, I, I know I, I was texting you as soon as I saw it. I think, I think you texted me that you got it done. And I texted you back saying I was literally in the moment looking at your splits from it. <laughs> and I was like, dang, that looks awful, but productive. And I, th- the one thing was the hills, man, like that third mm-hmm. hill is the shortest, which we've kind of talked about, but it's the steepest. Do you feel yeah. like, um, I mean, how, how productive do you feel like doing hard workouts on hills are going to be for Buffalo? Really productive. And here's why broken down 
the when you kind of look at the at the Strava miles, like the last one was at like what a seven oh six, I think, because it was the shortest. With the other hills, it was like on the flats, I was hitting the times that I wanted to be reaching, but on the uphills, like it was slow. Um, I totally think those hills are gonna pay pay dividends because what I was really trying to do is after the hills maintain that pace and not kind of like slow down and, and catch my breath. So it's it, it's interesting because the third hill is the steepest, but it's it's the shortest. I actually struggled more on the first two because a large majority of that mile was uphill, whereas the right. third one, it was kind of like I was done with it in three minutes. And then the rest of that mile was more so flat. But I absolutely think the hill sprints are, are, are going to pay off. I've traditionally been doing my intervals on a track. Um, a lot of my workout plan is having me do hill sprints every other week. And I haven't really been able to do it yet. I haven't wanted to drive out to just like random hill and just like sprint up, jog down, sprint up, jog yeah. down. So I think this was a good opportunity for me to do that. But it was I mean, it was not fun, <laughs> but it did feel really good afterwards. And, you know, you kind of get to the top of the hill. You feel like you need to stop. And I'm like, just maintain and try and stay around like a 710. And after a few minutes, I could feel my body being good at that pace and checking my heart rate. And it was like getting into the lower 150s. So I'm excited to see after a few weeks how I, you know, my goal is to be able to run a 710 and and maintain, you know, low zone three and eventually get it down to zone two. And I, I was kind of encouraged by the tail end of the hill workouts for that. Um, not fun in the moment, though. Definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, I I was kind of thinking later on, you know, a month or two from now, we could probably take these workouts, but even extend like the marathon pace portions and mm. hit like the rail trail. And I mean, you could that'll yeah. be such a good test of and it'll probably feel like we're cruising. Yeah. And that's all flat the entire way. I mean, you could do that for hundreds of miles, too. So I, I had a similar thought once we start getting in upper miles. I mean, I saw your five, five, five. I did four, four, four. I mean, in a month. We could do like six, six, and six, and uh, mine know, was super have, flat too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that, I think that will be a good test for us, at least going into the the half marathon in April, kind of testing where we're at. But doing sprint workouts like that this week, I think, is um, you know, going to help with that, no doubt. And and Sean, you mentioned that. So that was uh, what four by four by four, four easy, mm -hmm. four at your half marathon pace, and. Mm -hmm. So did you notice that after you did your first, what, six, 50 minute mile up the hill or whatever, whatever that that time was that you were able to kind of like dial in that pace and, and you were able to keep it in that next mile at the same time felt easier or, you know, felt more like a steady run at that point than than another yeah. interval? Yeah, it's kind of funny that you said that by the third hill, I was feeling the best of the three of them. And I was expecting it to kind of be reversed where I'd mm -hmm. tire out. But what I found was that my body was just taking some time to adjust. So by the time that third hill came, yes, it was the steepest, but I was able to maintain that speed and probably within like two or three minutes, kind of get my heart rate back down. I've been really trying lately to incorporate some more breathing techniques when I see my heart rate escalating. And I notice a lot of the time it's because I'm like thinking about something and that will raise my heart rate like sometimes I, I noticed on my run on Thursday 
I, I had a present or my run on, on Friday morning. I'm sorry. I had to drive out to Connecticut to do an in-person presentation. And I was a little nervous about it. Just, I mean, it was, I was hosting an event and I noticed I was running. I was at like a 956 pace. My heart rate was super low. I started thinking about like driving out and doing the presentation. I looked down at my watch. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm at like a 166. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to just like focus on certain breathing techniques to bring it down, like nose breathing. Kyle, we talked about that, like box breathing. And yeah. I'm trying to start implementing those at faster paces. And that's been really effective so far with trying to keep my heart rate down. Um, it's still kind of like I have a ton of work to do with it still. But I'm noticing those are helping. But to your point, Cody, yes, the uh, as the intervals went on, I found it much easier towards the tail end to actually maintain that pace and kind of be in like a homeostasis almost. It looked great, man. I mean, I, I looked at your Strava right after. I was like eager to see. I saw your Instagram story. You were leaving during the same. Chelsea the game. Same thing. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what Sean gets today. And I needed that run because I was not going to sit and watch that <laughs> Chelsea horror show. <laughs> and and for those that no the, for those that do not know, can you explain what what box breathing is? Yeah. So box breathing is a is a technique. Um, and I'm speaking on this from research from like reading so I'm in no position of authority to necessarily talk about the science of it, but box breathing is essentially a breathing technique that helps regulate your nervous system. So you visualize a box, essentially, and it involves four steps. It's four to eight seconds of inhaling, four to eight seconds of holding that breath, four to eight seconds of release of that breath, another four to eight seconds of just no breathing. So in, hold, out, hold, mm-hmm. on repeat. And that's supposed to override your nervous system, but also... When you breathe in, you breathe in through your nose. And when you exhale, you exhale through your mouth. And so it's actually the term box breathing has primarily been used for um, for meditation practices, but has been applied a lot in, in exercise as a form of regulating your internal systems when your body's in motion. Oh, that's killer. I'll have to give that a go. I've, I've definitely seen that on, you know, like Instagram videos where it's like, all right, breathe in for eight seconds and then hold it and then breathe out. So that's good to know. A I therapist influencer. Definitely try it on uh, on a run, on my next run for sure. Try to lower my heart rate that way. So just yeah, make sure fun. you're doing like 800 repeats. Yeah, while yeah. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sweet spot. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be real fit, or you'll pass out. <laughs> One or the other. Um, we don't we don't we don't have to nitpick too much with Sean, but there's I had two things I wanted to ask you about. One. That I, I noticed on the at the very end of your first interval in the six mile session, mm-hmm. that that was your according to your heart rate, you spiked to a one ninety six, which I don't believe at all. But I was wondering if you at the end of that first interval, if you remember going like all out for like maybe like point two or anything. Like I was I was more curious of like. What maybe is your while reflecting on it, your perceived effort? Because clearly, like, I don't think your heart can even go to 196 based on how fit you are. (laughs) I can tell you exactly what it was, though. The indoor track team at Gilderland High School was out there and they were running in the opposite direction. And so I remember very specifically at the end of that interval, I had to, like, run around them. And there was some snow on the um, on the track. So they were trying to avoid it and I was trying to avoid it. And they're a pack Mm. and I'm just one person. So I was trying to like maneuver around it. 
but was going fast. And I was like, oh, my God, if I'm like take a wrong step, I'm going to injure myself. So that's probably where you saw the spike in heart rate because I was like running and trying to play the game of lava at the same time. <laughs> OK, <laughs> yes. But we got into a rhythm. I think we understood each other eventually. Like, All right, I'll stay over there. You stay over there. Yeah, it didn't look like it happened again, but I didn't. <laughs> I could tell yeah, there might have been learned. a little bit of stress in that moment, which is yes. funny. I mean, it's it's hilarious looking at the graphs and, you know, I you, you question maybe what happened, but it's just it's hilarious being able to see it like with the pace and the HR mm -hmm. at the same time. Listen, nothing spikes a heart rate more than confronting a group of high school kids. <laughs> no, true. especially cross country Very high true. school kids. They don't they don't mess around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if you're saving this for a little bit later, but did you, you almost got it by me this week when I questioned how did the alpha flies feel for that barn loop? Mm. And then you were like, um, correction, I, I'm actually saving those. I found a pair of vapor flies. I, <laughs> yes. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> of course I do. Um, in sales, when you hit your quota, you get a nice bonus at the end of the year. <laughs> Thankfully, that came around. So I had some extra money and was like, you know what? I don't want to use these alpha flies because I've been thinking like I'm doing a lot of interval workouts, you know, two times a week. I, I just don't want to be burning these alpha flies by the time May comes around. So I had a little extra to the side and I went and got myself a pair of vapor flies and used them for the 12 mile run on Sunday. And I got to say, they're amazing. They yeah. are super light and I was a little concerned about the heel lock because I've read a ton of reviews about slippage. I had none of that. It was a light shoe. It had a ton of bounce and cushion on it. Um, that for sure is going to be my go-to shoe for, for most of my sprint workouts pretty much up until I think mid April. And then I'll switch over, I think to the alpha flies and really use those for, um, you know, the month and a half leading up to, to the race. Damn, so we're we're really leaning into a Nike sponsorship now, huh? I mean, for someone for someone that Listen, started off as not a Nike person. I'm all in now. It's you can't you can't dip one toe in. You gotta you're gonna dive head first. I mean, there's probably a reason why they've kind of dominated the top of the line. Yeah. Like I yeah. I, I do think mm -hmm. there's something about a lot of Nike shoes, and I just I, I we're all like amateur shoe people. So I don't actually know what I'm talking about, but I've run in a fair amount of shoes. And Who I do watch feel YouTube? like the, the consumer level of Nike shoes is like, okay, people buy, you know, the Pegasus because they're on version 40 and mm -hmm. clearly there's something good going on there. They're kind of a do it your all shoe, the workhorse, if you will. Um, but then at the same time, I do feel like, I mean, the vapor flies for years, like it was it was the next percent. It was the shoe mm -hmm, that yeah. literally by a percentage made you better the further you were running. Like whether it's true for us normal people, probably not. But but, but Nike, hey. Nike drills down the marketing and advertising for that so effectively. And I, and I do so have to well. say, you know, when you think about like uh, a fast day shoe like that, your options are like, let's say we remove the alpha fly from mm -hmm. the options because it's crazy expensive. What you're left with is is the A6 Meta Speed Skies, the Vapor Flies, maybe the Endorphins in there, but that's almost more of like a, a hybrid mix thing, or like the Ace or the the Adidas Pumas or, or New Balances. I mm -hmm. mean, yes, mm -hmm. Hoka also just released a new Super Shoe, but we ain't getting that. So when yeah. you're left with those options, you know the the Vapor Fly is kind of top of the dog pile there. 
Well, I mean, look I at will the, say, uh, the the world oh, record yeah. too. I mean, like the world records yeah. for the 5K and 10K, those I I think are in non-Nike shoes, but everything else up from there is is a Nike shoe, is is an Alpha exactly. Fly or a Vaporfly. Like you can't you can't beat that. Mm-mm. I am uh I'm curious and I, I have been of the look of them for a little bit, but the uh I, what are they Mizuno Oh yes. Whatever Ben those yes. Selton, shoes just ran. He just ran. He just PR'd in his uh half. Um and they look wild. Yeah, the rocker. Exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. The heel the yeah. toe rocker is like there's no it looks heel like not on the ground in those. There. That's kind of crazy. Those shoes look wild. Like I feel like I'd fall over if I put them on and stood up straight. So. Same. As long as you fall forward. Ain't that, <laughs> ain't that that's wrong? the point of them, I guess. <laughs> All right, we've 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 torn up Sean's Strava week as much as we could. <laughs> Cody, I tell like us what last. you've been up to. Oh well, I mean, first oh, of all, wait, I w- I was supposed yeah. to, you know, obviously, Sean, really quick. What was what was mm. probably your best and oh, your yeah. worst workout of the week? Oh, um, of course, this is we, funny because yeah. this was my idea and I totally forgot. <laughs> um, worst run, we honestly. <laughs> Worst run was Monday. Um, I still felt like I was quite tired and sore from Saturday's run. That was the first run where I was like, I have to just get through this, you know, mm-hmm. because I also ran it at like 848 and, and I learned my lesson. I, I should I should run that slower and I will in future runs. That one just sucked. And yeah. afterwards, the rest of them were good. I almost needed it as like a shakeout run, but my legs were heavy. My feet were achy. Um, the super blast I was running in before I felt like kind of had their expiration date. So there I felt the lack of cushion. And so everything was achy. So that was my least favorite run. The best run had to be the, the barn loop with the intervals on, on Sunday. That was just a lot of variation within that run. It made it so much less boring and I was flying in the vapor flies. So that, uh, that topped the charts for the week. Love that. Love that. And I, I, yeah, it, it is funny how I think, I know for me and we'll, we'll, we'll see what Cody's up to, but that I think it's interesting how the, sometimes the hardest runs to do are definitely like the, they're the ones Mundane. where you're kind of already tired and mm-hmm. you know that you're not excited for it. You're getting, yeah. you're grabbing the heaviest pair of shoes you have and you're just <laughs> yep. kind of clogging, like you're just getting mm-hmm. them done. But, um, yeah, okay. Fun. We had, we at least did not. I I, I remembered about as late as we yeah. could have still kept it in there. But we Cody, tell us about your week of marathon training. Oh oh, I will. And and in keeping with tradition, I got a delicious. Ooh, that was a good one. Cream soda Olipop today. This is I, I haven't seen these before, so this is new to me. Uh, shout out to Target cream. for having these. Um, <laughs> Sponsor us. Still Target. still looking for that Olipop. Uh, sponsorship uh so yeah monday was <laughs> was three miles recovery from from the saturday barn loop with you guys um had a quick note that it was 33 degrees and it was snowing like it was coming down i was eating flakes all the entire run and it was awesome it was one of those snows where all the trees are covered just looked really pretty out so that was really nice. I was able to keep my heart rate down. It was slow. And, um, but on one of my favorite, uh, 
favorite loops in Victor here. So I've got a couple favorite loops that I did this week. Tuesday, completely off. Oh, actually, sorry. Monday evening was a, um, I guess we could call it a double session, but 10 minute bike warm up and then uh, lifted some legs, uh, which will come in into play a little bit later. Tuesday, I was off. Um, yeah, definitely needed it. Legs felt really heavy from the lift. And I was hoping that was going to be enough time um, to really get my legs fresh for my quality session on Wednesday, which was a threshold interval workout um, consisted of a one and a half mile warm up. And then we jumped in uh, to two by one mile. Uh, goal pace there was 714. I think I did I did those at a 748 and a 704. And then uh, one one and a half minute recovery in between both of those. Right after that, we went into some intervals. Uh, it was a four by two minute at a 640 pace. Um, I hit those. Uh, I hit a 630, 634, 625. And then uh, I was right on with a 640 at the, the last one. Uh, each of those had a one minute recovery jog in between and then finished that off with a one and a half mile cool down. So I think something, something like seven miles on that. Um, mm -hmm. that was pretty tough. Uh, I wasn't doing that on the track. I did that on, on my local rail trails here. And on Tuesday night, I went out and I kind of scoped and tried to see if they had any snow on them. They looked pretty good. So, um, I, I, I went for it on Wednesday morning. Turns out there was a bit of snow, um, a bit of ice too. And that definitely played into a, a, a few things down the line. Um, Thursday was easy 5.22 miles on my favorite Victor loop for sure. Um, anyone that follows me on Garmin and now on Strava will see that loop constantly and hopefully i become what do you call them hometown hero something like that oh a local legend local legend local mm. legend hometown hero local legend um friday was off and saturday was my long run i got 11.13 miles in with um ryan from the victor running club shout out ryan um Ryan started the Victor Running Club uh, back in October and has been getting more and more folks to join us. Uh, so that was a cold one. So Ryan and I did it solo. Um, he is a Chicago finisher and a Disney marathoner. Um, and he has just won an entry through a Poland Springs um, giveaway competition for the Boston Marathon. So he is running Boston Whoa. in April, which is pretty incredible. So um, I'm sure this isn't going to be the last time I mention him, but um, man, it's nice having someone to run those long, long runs with. <laughs> uh, I can, I can talk yes, for sure. Um, so yeah, that was, that was Saturday. Sunday was a rest day. So I think we hit it just over 26 miles total. Uh, one thing I wanted to know, uh, Wednesday was my first run with the Koros uh, heart rate monitor, the mm -hmm. uh, bicep monitor. A uh, couple things that I found from that, which I was pretty happy with, was it actually was measuring a lower heart rate than my watch. Not really surprising there. 
And it was just a more accurate real time depiction of my heart rate. So, right. Yeah. With the Garmin, you know, you run up a hill and then 50 steps later, you see a spike in your heart rate and it's kind of off putting Mm -hmm. with this. I could, you know, visually see my heart rate going down as I was slowing the pace. And as I was picking the pace back up, you know, I could see my heart rate go up. So that was definitely nice. I'm pretty stoked about that. And, um, I use that on my Thursday run and on my Saturday run, uh, and as advertised, once that thing is on, you really don't remember that it's there. So very low profile. Yeah, barely, hmm. barely knew it was there. Um, so just on top of all of this, I know, Sean, you were talking a lot about, you know, heart rate, um, where your heart rate's at. And my heart rate's definitely high. I've kind of got a weird uh, weird thing going on where my resting heart rate is super low, but it's difficult to stay within zone two. So, um, with talking to a few, uh, few people and one of them being a running coach, uh, definitely, you know, there's different heart rate zones, you know, beats per minute are one thing, but not one thing works for everyone. So, um, yeah, definitely for our listeners, don't get discouraged if you're, you know, you're not hitting that zone two or what you think might be your zone two. Uh, everyone has way different max heart rates. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think on my Wednesday run, I, I might've hit a max heart rate of like 196, And that was definitely like, I was pushing it. I haven't done speed work like this in months and months. Um, so those were tough. Those, those intervals were tough, but I think once we get going, once I get a couple more of those in the bank, that seven minute steady run is going to be definitely attainable. So pretty stoked about all that yeah yeah i i feel like i'll just add to like the heart rate talk too of like you you can just have a high heart rate like it's pretty like it it, there's such a range and also like even though my average heart rate might be lower than cody's on this one in like two months we could have the exact same heart rate for a lot of these runs but also like we probably just like we probably have about the same max heart rate our zones are just different like i've i went Mm -hmm. to a like cardiologist and like i did a stress test like in the last year and like it took like about 16 minutes to get my heart rate out to max but like i eventually just stopped and we got it to 192 but i'm pretty sure we could have cranked it another couple of like we just kind of like called it because I was like working hard. <laughs> they were like, "That's that should be where your max is," and I was like, "Okay." Um, but yeah, I think there's such a range of you know h- how you know a range of heart rates out there, <clears throat> and it definitely is so important to always be conscious of like your perceived effort with your mm-hmm. heart rate, and also just being aware of like what you've. De- if I had more than four drinks the night before, my heart rate's going to be higher. Right. I like I know that like. For all the Bad people out there, too. like I've I've gone out for a Halloween party and then tried to run an eight miler and like the eight miler felt okay. I was pretty hungover, but like my average <laughs> heart rate was like literally like one seventy eight or something, yeah. and I was going like easy in cool temps. Like so, it like it it just it's such a range, and I I I hope people can yeah I guess like take it as one of those things to reflect on and just know where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but just really try to bear in mind how hard you're working and an easy day is an easy day as long as it felt easy. Like that's right. 
pretty much all there is to it. Like, but um, yeah, and you don't. That, and I yeah. wanted to say congrats to Cody on four new PRs on Strava for his <laughs> Wednesday workout. Both these guys are new to Strava, so I've been getting a kick out of seeing um, their. Uh, I think Cody, uh, Sean, you're like your mile PR was like a I don't know like a seven ten or something on Strava, and I know you've probably ran like a sub five thirty like easy. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not easy run, but um so yeah you know cody's got a new 10k a new 5k a new two mile and a new one mile all in one workout wow i had no idea all yeah. all according I to I was, I was ready to celebrate this moment with you <laughs> well cheers this cream soda tastes fantastic well, cheers well to the done, Olipop. Olipop. there you go the every time we mention a pr it's going to become the olipop pr olipop pr i like it i think that's a good good Brought call to you by olipop <clears throat> Um, I also wanted to say it looked like your long run kind of became kind of a progression run. It seemed to you kind of dropped a couple seconds each, Mm -hmm. like all negative splits, which I feel like is a great way. It's a great um, it's a great way to show that your fitness, like even though this was the workout on your plan, you and while you were still chatting with someone you're able to kind of be like okay let's go a little bit let's go a little bit Mm -hmm. and you kind of built into the workout i always have felt that that's a really good sign of like if you can comfortably finish something strong you're in a really good place for what you're trying to do um so yeah i guess another high five thanks guys i appreciate it and that (laughs) that uh that long run too we started off i shouldn't say that i ran it all alone with Ryan. I think the first four miles we had one other uh, woman there that was running and we were, yeah, did four miles with her, came back and then we, we kind of went out and yeah, I guess you could call it a progression run, but it was one of, one of those where you just, you're chatting and you kind of don't look at the pace on your watch and you just keep going and yeah, you just yeah, end up being a little bit faster. Probably cause we were talking about Boston and I was getting amped and mm-hmm. um, yeah. stoked for <laughs> stoked for him. So but yeah, felt great. Um, yeah, yeah. Now here we are. Cody, today. I have a I have a question, Cody, on your quality oh, yeah. session. The did you have that configured on your Garmin? Because I was listening to you and thinking, like, man, there's a lot of different types of intervals and time frames and zones. And I've been using the Garmin watch since you told us about it to like build out the workouts. So did you do that for your quality session, or did you just have it caked in your brain? No, I had it. I had it built out. In fact. All of my workouts are already built into my watch. Like I don't have to touch it, nice. um, which was super nice. Again, the prompts are so cool. Just being able to look down and kind of see like, okay, I have 0.5 miles left of this mile repeat. And then, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was definitely, definitely programmed in. I would have definitely forgot it because as soon as I got out there, I was like, how long am I resting between these right. sessions? Yeah, I had no idea. I'm envious, dude, because I have to manually build all the workouts that I want to do in Garmin, Mm. which is not that Mm -hmm. big a deal. First world problems. Um, So it's nice that you have them all in there, but it is helpful. I mean, having the watch tell you when things are winding down or transition is a game changer. Like even when I was doing the the barn loop, like because I was focused on hitting paces, I wasn't focused on like, am I done with this mile? The watch would just be like, okay, here's your countdown. Mm -hmm. And that's a really nice way to just be able to kind of focus on the run rather than like looking at your watch constantly yes. trying to like keep tabs on where you're at and your progress and when to change. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. There's nothing worse than, you know, just staring at your watch the, the whole time. 
And in, in the Olympic trials, they mentioned that, that, uh, I think Zach Panning was in first place and he was, you know, taking, they said, Oh, it looks like Zach's taking the energy to look at his watch. And I was like, Oh wow. I guess mm. that much counts. That's a good way to even put it. <laughs> yeah. At that level. Absolutely. Yeah. He was probably, he was probably stressing. Cause I think he, if it was a, if it was a 23 mile race, he would be going to Paris, right? Yeah. Now. True. True. <laughs> yeah. He could, he could hear the footsteps. You could hear yeah. the footsteps, but, um, I will say this is going to be a, a Wednesday was both my best and my worst session. I, um, mm. it was my worst session because it was difficult and I felt absolutely gassed after both of those miles. Um, but it was my best because it's a benchmark, uh, to set and, um, something to beat in the future. So yeah, that's very it. nice. That All right. Well, I'll uh, finish us off. Kyle. I'll transition. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, we're good. Um, all right. Monday, an easy. Uh, wait a minute, Kyle. I didn't even put the number in there. I literally just put Monday easy. Beat the snowplows. I'm gonna say uh, that was a four mile. <laughs> there we go. It shows it shows how on top of things I've got my log open. Yeah, it was a four mile. I'm just an idiot. Um, my only note in there was it was early enough that I even beat the snowplows to the campus, which wow. normally it's the one place in town where you can get a nice, smooth, salted ride on pavement. But not on uh, Monday, my friend. Not a, yeah, I, I was <laughs> actually, you know, coming out of the weekend. They, they should sleep in um, Tuesday. Another nice and easy one of five miles. Um, again, in my notes, I did not write in the number, which is why I'm very happy. I have Strava open. <laughs> um, so four, five, and then on Wednesday we did seven miles in total. That was a two mile at half pace with two times 800 meter repeats, um, with some recoveries in there. But I, that was one that I programmed into my watch and was very happy with. Um, it was just, it made everything easy. And that was my first day in the Invincibles, which I mm. will not recommend as a speed shoe. But <laughs> if you just got them in the mail and you really want to run in them, then go wild <laughs> because it was totally fine. Uh, and um, other than it, you definitely are not getting like the return, I'd say, on energy in them at higher paces. But they're a sand pit. <laughs> yeah, they're like... Yeah. <laughs> You're you're gonna feel um, you're at least you're getting the cushion for the effort you're putting in. Um, sand, but, um, sand pit. <laughs> it's just yeah. quicksand. It is. It is truly. Especially as when you start leaning back, I feel like you notice the the high cushion shoes when you're going like downhill a little bit, and your heels are just like sinking into the pavement. Um, do you remember quick quick side note? Do you guys remember making yeah. like ooblick in middle school yeah, where course. like you'd punch it or you'd like try and press it and it would like slowly, slowly like sink your hand into it? Isn't it? That's what the invincibles are like. Like there's no bounce back, <laughs> there's no energy return. It's just like you put the pressure on and then you slowly sink into the cushion. It has never given you that energy back. But they're super comfortable. Wait, what did we do in school? What was it called? It's basically Ooblick. Yeah, Ooblick. It was like cornstarch and water. And it was Yes. It's it's yeah. Okay. If you just sit, if you just sit on it, 
you sink into it. But if you like slap it or punch it, you don't you don't go anywhere. Oh, wow. It moves with you if you move slowly with it. But if you try and go fast with it, it says no, sir. As a physicist, I should probably know what's going on, but we're just going to we're going to leave that to the chemists (laughs) here. Yeah, Yeah. we'll leave that out there. The Um, critics. So when it comes to speed work in the Invincibles, uh, Wednesday, two mile warm up. I was hanging around 1020 to 1030s. And then we went into two miles, uh, one mile on, one mile uh, off. Uh, The first one, I was going for a 707 pace. Uh, first one was a 713 and second one was a 708. Um, I honestly feel like with intervals, um, the first one is always kind of more about figuring it out more than being mm-hmm. able to do it, um, which I think yeah. we've talked about before of just mm-hmm. like, you you know, you, you go past your mar- your target and then you come back a little bit. And um, so I think there was a little bit of that in there. Um, a one mile recovery. And then I went into half mile at 5K pace. For 6.30, my first one was right at 6.30 pace, so we'll assume that I was actually feeling um, a little dialed in by that point. Quarter mile recovery, and then another one that I did at 6.37, and then a .75, which was an awkward cool down, but it rounded things out to seven miles, so that's why. (laughs) You need the whole number. Gotta get it. Um, And I think, okay, tidbit on this. Um, While it was not becoming a hometown hero, I did become a local (laughs) legend. Um, on a segment called tailgating, which is a 0.65 mile segment that I have now run it, uh, 25 times in the last 90 days (laughs) for (laughs) 16.3 miles. (laughs) So if there's anyone out there going for the local legend on that spot, be forewarned, I'm going to be doing a lot more on tailgating. So good luck. Kyle is top dog in that region. (laughs) All miles very slow, but many, many of them. Um, okay, so we did a good speed session Thursday, five miles, really easy, really easy. Um, I'll just put it in here. Another local legend. This is the full campus loop. And now I've run that 46 miles. Dang. So that's Damn. a lot of that's a lot of loops. Um Friday was another. Uh, easy five miles um my notes in here i i'll just go ahead and say this was my worst day of the week um i think it was kind of my notes were feeling scattered couldn't really tame my brain which Mm. i think for me in reflection is like more of an expectation of an easy day being a time for me to like decompress and then being kind of upset with not being able to like complete that cycle even though i'm used to kind of like feeling all like oh like i worked through some things there mm-hmm. um i don't mm-hmm. think that was i didn't kind of get there with this one um which honestly kind of reminds me of um something nick bear said in one of his podcasts but it just made me think of like just because you put in the work does not mean you're gonna like succeed or feel or or, or your idea of success isn't gonna be that um and like, this is such a small, like, it's not like I failed at anything. I did exactly what I planned on doing. I just ended it with a very different feeling than I normally do from an easy day. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think I was just feel. I think I got, I ended it just as worked up as I started it, which is odd for someone who just ran five miles. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was also like a travel day. There was a lot going on. I was getting, I think I was just 
texting with like too many people at once throughout the day kind of a thing um yeah so it was life stuff my, minor chaos mm-hmm. yeah life was a little bit mm-hmm. extra i'd say um but then on saturday i would say it was my best workout um that was a 15 miler i'll call it semi-session long run um again in the so fast nike invincible threes mm. um <laughs> but um five mile warm-up um I, it was interesting because I did this both times with my warm up and cool down for this. I started around a 10 pace and kind of worked to a 930 and then jumped into five miles at marathon pace, which for me is a 749 goal pace. That's good um, for five miles. Yeah, man. And, and like, it, it, I mean, it's it was really flat. Good. It was flat. I really planned out like burps. Um, <laughs> Intermission. I, I, very graceful. I, very graceful little burp there. Um, so I planned out the splits definitely to be like the also pretty darn flat. Like the first one was the only one with a couple hills and that was the 754. So to be mm. going for 749s, do a 754 <clears throat> and then a 735, a 743, 744 and a 747. Um, they all felt honestly pretty darn controlled. Um, nice. I, yeah, I, I, it felt, it felt really good. Um, um and then yeah five mile cooldown. Uh, i you know took a bit off the gas there um i did take a gel just before going into the five miles and then i took one i think just as i when i had just finished it mm-hmm. um i did take another one of the caffeinated univeds it was it was much easier to put down i think i had to commit to bigger slurps um mm. just so that it's kind of like a you open it you take a big slurp you kind of take a breath, you take another big slurp and mm-hmm. you consume the gel. And I'm bad about milking them, I feel like. Um, yeah. So, I, Kyle, I have a, a quick question for you on that, because I was when I, I took three go gels on, on the barn loop, I mm-hmm. was and I was taking them when I was running fast because I really wanted to just like practice mm, yeah. consuming them. during. I, it was like it's difficult. I like right? the go gels because, yes. I like them because they're easy to consume, but like I was really struggling to, I guess, get it down when I was running at those paces. Kyle, were, have you had that before? Like, do you have like a technique to just like suck it up and get it all down or, or milk it when you're doing it fast that way? So I definitely have, um, I, I think, I think breaking it into at least depending on the size of them, I think, mm. uh, I think you can break the slurps into two or three slurps. <laughs> very technical very i think ultimately <laughs> ultimately scientific. ultimately the hardest part is going to be how like you're pulling it out of a pocket and how you're ripping it i've always yes. done kind of like a I like it. a backhanded yeah like you yes. grab it from behind and then through wherever <clears throat> your teeth meet the best yep <laughs> the viewers can't see these hand motions but you can imagine yeah, exactly. we're like pulling it across <laughs> our yeah, yeah basically, it ain't pretty you're you're ripping this hop across your um and no matter what kind of gel it is we i know the go gels are pretty thin as well compared to like goo gels mm-hmm. the gu gels so mm-hmm. i always recommend like as soon as you rip go straight to your mouth oh yeah like because yeah. it's almost always it's like i try to thumb out. it down like right before i open it i try to thumb it down a little bit that's a losing so it's not game. like right at the cap but like at 730s or faster like i'm not going to be like <laughs> Taking both yes. my hands and pinching the top. And Stability is low yeah. at that pace. You're gonna you're gonna yeah, get some like, spillage there for sure. Yeah, you're gonna get some gonna, sticky gonna, fingers. 
That's, that's what I was going to say. It's dude, gonna be nothing sticky. worse. Nothing worse than sticky fingers on a run. Oh. I mean, there are things that are worse, but in terms of <laughs> what's going on with her, <laughs> it's not a fun sensation. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It's better when it's you true. have gloves. But... Um, mm. Yeah. Then you get flavored gloves. Um, but yeah. So, uh, I mean, overall, I'd say um, that's that's my gel technique. Um I, I have yet to really do any fast gel consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This was definitely convenient in that it was a five mile window of I can build up. I took a gel at four and then it was I was hopefully using that in that window. Um, and honestly, the gel afterwards is just to make sure that I could even get back to my car because I was kind of worried <laughs> about like cramping. I will say um, I felt quite the little bit of a tug on behind my knee on the right side mm. on the outside mm-hmm. um and i i stopped it like mile like i'd done the five and i was maybe at like 11 or 12 and i stopped at a bench and just kind of did like a minute of kind of like ankle to butt full Smart. like hamstring stretching mm-hmm. um and honestly when you're in kind of like a hamstring stretch and you know how you like if you like pivot your ankle kind of inward it can kind of I feel like you're really yanking on everything on the outside Gets of that the back of your IT yes. complex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes, exactly. I I I did that for about a minute and it felt like I it hasn't bothered me at all. I haven't ran since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. like the remaining like three or four miles felt fine. But that was Good. a little bit of like, mm, because I've had IT band issues before. So that was kind of a this the is worst it for me. Or it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that wrapped up a 41 mile week. So after suffering through 39 the week before, I now get the lovely four in front of my double digits. Um, yeah, feeling good and excited to be finishing a high week and a bunch of high weeks and now going into a low week, um, kind of just recovering, going to do some lifting this week. I'll probably do. Mm. Like two midweek runs. Mm-hmm. This is all for like the next pod, but and then uh, a little barn loop probably just to like get like mid twenties. But yeah, mm. the fitness is we're rolling. I'm so excited. I gotta say, I'm Kyle, forty miles early on is is good. I I actually have a question that's kind of tied into what you were saying about your slow run, but something I, I want to ask you both. Um, you know, Kyle, you've been doing your your program for almost five weeks now. Cody and I are in our second week. Um, have you guys had any mind shift or, you know, like mindset shifts or changes about your training plan or your approach so far from start till now? Cause I know I've had some, and I'm curious if, if you guys have kind of been tinkering mentally about your approach to your plans as well. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 this is not, I feel like what I think I'm going into a little bit of like cognitive dissonance to it. Like it, like, like, I think I'm kind of at a point where getting up early the next day has seemed a little bit too hard. So I honestly don't mm-hmm. even think about it. And I just almost pretend like someone else is going to do it, even though I know I'm going to do it. Like, <laughs> it, it. I don't know how to You're explain outsourcing. it. It's like, yeah, it's like, I'm just not going to think about it. And I know I'm going to do it. Like when the alarm goes off, I'm doing it. But I'm almost, yeah, maybe this, maybe that's just like a going through the, like, get being able to go through the motions in some respects mm-hmm. um you're compartmentalizing almost mm-hmm. 
You're sending yeah. off running Kyle where other Kyle can just stay sleepy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's something about it where I think when I was initially thinking about all of this, it was all like, oh, I'm going to just get you think about it all in one moment about weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and weeks and racing really fast and gels and shoes and what you're going to wear. And it's also like in a moment, it's like a fi- It's like fireworks going off in your head. But then like yeah. once you kind of get into a little bit of the drudgery of it, it's more how much yeah how 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 can you turn this into your routine mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like autopilot then, almost yeah i think so um or as the counselors call it, it disassociating yeah <laughs> it's also not like preparing for the run that's sexy you know like but doing the run itself like that's not that's not very sexy that's like just hard work once yeah. you're done with it yeah it is but mm-hmm it almost sounds I like guess- we're all kind of going through a little form of that because like Cody said, like the sexiness of it all, the excitement, the anticipation of the plan. And then when you're really in the thick of it, you know, we've all been having some hard days. Like all three <laughs> of us this last week seem to have like that. Oh, shit moment. Is this the injury that mm-hmm. puts us out like Cody and I, mm-hmm. you know, Kyle, you, you joke about the IT thing. You know, we've all had those IT injuries that keeps us out for eight months. You know, uh, Cody yeah. and I were both on the phone with each other today, talking to each other off a off a ledge because we both were like oh my god we've got this pain in our shins we've got shins or we've got a stress fracture we're out for the whole time <laughs> yeah. you know and so we're we're getting into this phase in our training program i think we're we're in the thick of it our bodies are taking on miles that we were not used to and there are small injuries that are popping up and i know for me i am thinking about how do i maintain efficiency without burning out because of my excitement. Like Mm -hmm. the excitement about the plan is almost like a double-edged sword in the sense that it's giving me the fuel to go, but I have to also acknowledge what my body's feeling. And that's kind of like a new thing for me, even like I had to literally write on a piece of paper earlier this week, leave ego at the door. Mm -hmm. Slow miles are slow miles. If your body is feeling poop, don't try and get that 845 slow day in because you think you should be there except mm-hmm. that you might need a 10 30 or an 11 mile day because the miles count more than the mm-hmm. speed at which you do it True. and doing it slow like that sometimes i i know for me i've had to really shift my mindset to think of those miles as useful miles as compared to like well it's a slow run and i think mm-hmm. as we keep going in as our injuries keep piling up slowly and hopefully nothing too severe um, and as we're all kind of evaluating the plans, it's it's interesting to kind of see how the journey of our approach to it mentally is going to impact how we do it physically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, go ahead, Cody. I was just going to kind of talk on on, you know, like the the leg lift that I did on Monday. Like I, I didn't need to do that. I, I shouldn't have done that. same. Um, and right. it definitely affected my Wednesday. And from that, it went into, <clears throat> you know, this down downward spiral of, yeah, thinking that we have something seriously wrong with us because we were feeling a little bit of pain when we're running. So and I mean, we've set big goals for ourselves, but I think the biggest thing, you know, that that Sean and I talked about today on the phone was, you know, the last three days we've been waking up and thinking, Oh my gosh, we've got an injury. How are we going to do this? They're going to kick us off the podcast. We're not going to be able to participate. (laughs) And it's like you, you spiral because this is such an important piece of, of your life right now. And, 
I really had, I mean, I had Sam kind of like just talking me down and just telling me to chill out, get it, you know, get everything checked out. But texting the group this morning and just saying like, hey, guys, I picked up a little like a, a little tweak in my shin. I'm going to take the next couple of days off. Like I kind of felt ashamed saying that because mm. I was deviating from my training plan and plans change all the time, like camping trips that we plan out to the T change because you have Often. to listen to your body. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Sean, to your question, really, I think what's changed for me is like, I'm going to go back to instead of doing five to six days of running a week, I'm going to make one of those or two of those runs a cross training session on the bike, on the elliptical, mm. just to keep my legs really Smart. fresh. Um, there's a like low impact, low impact. And that's honestly what I'm going to do for, for this week. Like I'm going to, I'm going to really aid yeah. my, my shin and, and make sure nothing's going on there. But there's a, um, Matt Reeves, uh, the Welsh runner, he is filming his entire, you know, sub two twenty marathon series right now on YouTube and his interval days or yeah, his interval days, he's doing them on the bike. So he's, mm. he's like doing those. Um, I don't know how he's equating the distances and times but doing those on the bike just to lower the the impact and i think that's a really good idea and i think that's what i'm going to start doing whether it be you know that thursday run after a quality session whether that's on the bike or monday recovery is on mm -hmm. a bike just to keep my legs fresh and and as we build miles as we you know build strength in our legs and our legs get used to it maybe i'll change one of those but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been my mindset sh shift is listen to your body. Um, if something's feeling bad on Wednesday night, uh, and you feel good Thursday morning, but then the first mile you're like, Oh, I kind of feel a little bit of something like stop at yeah. a bench, stretch, make sure that you're not yeah. just doing yeah. the miles just to do the miles. Like it's, and here's another Nick bear quote is it's more than just the miles. Like it's, this mm. is still our bodies are, you know, so, yeah, I love that, man. I think um, being able to deviate by listening to our bodies is not something I know I've done traditionally mm -hmm. well in the mm -hmm. past. I think being able to admit that you need to is a huge step in, in our training plans. And I bet you come race week, we'll all look back and say on the weeks we took a rest when we didn't want to probably played a big role mm -hmm. in us being able to get close to the goal that we wanted to, if not. And and Cody, you even said something when we were talking today that I think had a pretty high impact on me talking about how, yes, we're competitive and we want to beat each other, but also thinking of this as like a team sport because we're all kind of in it together. So yeah. you texting the group, Cody, about having an injury in your shin and taking a day off gave me permission to say, mm. oh, I'm also kind of like struggling with something because I had the same thing as you did. I was like, man, I treated, I like, I struggle with injury. I don't want to, I don't know. Like there was part yeah. of me that was like, I didn't want to tell the group I'm injured and I got to take off a few days. So like all of us kind of being transparent about that when it's uncomfortable for us, I think is all going to help us do the right things because we're doing this as a team. I mean, the whole idea of the podcast is we're holding each other accountable and doing these plans and all working towards this collective goal. So, um, I mean, even just like the elliptical and, and bike stuff, I'm going to be doing that this week because mm -hmm. I I'm taking this week to to really take care of like my my calf muscle. And I was thinking, like, do I do 
should my rest week be low miles or no miles? And the bike is kind of a good middle ground for that. So yeah. next podcast is going to be really fun to talk about our recovery weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you, no Strava data. You want to talk about low heart rate. You get on the bike and you're like, you're flying and you're yeah, like, that's right. I'm not even worried. 12 miles at 40 beats per minute. But I mean, if we think about it, you're still getting the miles in. It's like you're doing those five yeah. mile easy runs in zone two just to build up your aerobic or like to, to maintain your aerobic base and to build your aerobic base. And the miles on the bike, the miles on the elliptical or the, the laps in the pool, they're all doing that. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to lean into it and I, you know, I, I think it's a good, it's a good way to avoid potential injuries down the line. It's week two boys like, or week two for me, like it's, it's early. And this is just a re this is a reaction. You stress your body, you're going to get a reaction. So, um, Mm -hmm. that's all it is. Better recover now than later. I did have something kind of interesting. I was able to, uh, get in to see the physical therapist, um, shout out Lattimore physical therapy and Victor, uh, Peter and Brian, they, they took me under their, their wing today. And, um, told them about my issues, what was going on. Again, Sean and I were, you know, went to the absolute worst and we're like, we got a stress <laughs> fracture. We're done. And they kind of, they kind of looked at me and they were like, they are like, man, for somebody who knows a lot about what they're talking, like that sounds really dumb. Like there's like, come on, <laughs> man. like you're walking fine. Um, what was interesting is that they analyzed my, um, my cadence, they analyzed my gait on the treadmill, like took videos. And what was happening mm. is my left calf. Um, I don't know how many muscles there are in there, so don't don't get on me for that. But it's basically two thirds of my calf is doing 100 percent of the work. So there's a third of my calf that's just not firing. And Whoa. it's interesting because my like if I do a calf raise, my ankles are going out so it's a, like an anterior tilt i think i got that right and that what what that's doing is putting all the pressure on my interior calf muscle and that's why i'm having mm. some pain in my shin so i you know you almost don't believe it and then you see video and i could literally see my right foot taking off and every calf you know every muscle in my calf firing and then you see my left and you see two thirds of it just firing really well. And then one third just sitting there and and they were able to quickly just say like, wow, this muscle hasn't been worked in months. And so I don't know if wow. it was a if it was from some recent injury, maybe an Achilles, maybe uh, I was overcompensating for something. But that was awesome. So I got a few really good exercises. Um, if you're doing calf raises put a tennis ball between your ankles. It helps. It's, it's, it's science. Um, and it's science. Yeah. And they kind of give we love science, but they gave me, (laughs) they gave me the hard truth of like, Hey, take a few days off, um, do some cross training and, you know, maybe try running. I'm going to try running on Thursday and then uh, I'm going to see them again on Friday and see what's going on. So, um, yeah, people getting injured. It's totally normal. It's your body's reaction. Um, don't let it get you down. Don't let it, you know, don't spiral like Sean and I did because <laughs> take it from don't us. worry. No one's going to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> Definitely not. I, that was, that was the first thing. If, if I had known this was a concern of yours, I would have, I would have 
swaddled you and told you it's all going to be cool and you can be you're still you're still part of this no matter what i appreciate it also <laughs> any of us could get injured yeah so. <laughs> no yeah and we most um, likely will at some point yeah i i, I kind of wanted to i feel like i could just double down on everything that we're talking about just because when i initially had it band issues back in like 2020 one or 22 i think it was going into 22 and i had just done new york city i was coming off doing like a 30 mile long run for fun like i was in Mm. very good fitness so it's Mm -hmm. also very easily to be like oh i'm like i'm i'm on fire like i took a couple weeks off for thanksgiving like christmas and then right into january went back to north carolina jumped into like 45 mile weeks and within like two weeks of that IT band was like shot. I had knots in my quad and I mm-hmm. was, and I was feeling this for days mm-hmm. and then decided I was going out for, you know, I had an 18 miler on the schedule. I averaged like sub eight thirties for all 18. I was so hyped, but I literally could not move like mm-hmm. the next day. And that started like a whole year of just trying to like get comfortable running a couple miles again like i for months i took mm-hmm. i took probably three months off before mm-hmm. i even like could run like three or four miles again it was all massaging dry needling stretching like i, I got mris and stuff so like i think the the easiest thing you can do you like the easy advice easy advice is but the hardest to take is when you feel that little something you don't have to assume it's a stress fracture, but <laughs> but like no one's ever gonna be upset about taking precautions. Like right, yeah. It, like it's it's hard to say if you like you know if you don't maybe hit certain time. If one of us doesn't hit certain times in April, because we took a couple extra weeks here and there or something like that. But it's so much better than mm-hmm. what could have happened. Like it's, yeah. it's and like and like mm-hmm. you really have to. And for us, it's like we're young people. We're, we're, we're setting kind of lofty goals. We want to be fast. You know, we want to run this as fast as we can, but like, you really have to think like, you know, if I can have a great year, right. I can build on next year and I can build on the next. And like, that's going to be like, I, I was literally, uh, uh, Floberg on his Instagram today. He like reposted something. It was like, someone asked him like, what's what, like, what, what's kind of like any tips on low heart rate training. And like the response was like, just run for years like yeah like i saw like, that and and the only way to be able to do that is if you are being you're thinking a little bit about the long term at mm-hmm. least a bit um and you really can't think of like you know this training block is a big one but like if you can just do it successfully imagine what you can do in the next block and like thinking mm-hmm. about it that way is like like i said incredibly hard for people like us but like I mean, for anyone, mm-hmm. but like, you know, everyone's trying to hit some sort of goal, but it's a long-term to, to investment have. strategy. And that is the toughest yeah, one for people true. to do. Yeah. It kind of makes me, yeah. it kind of makes me take back what I said in episode one. I think we mentioned how our fitness is going to be after Buffalo. And I, I made the point of, well, I'm going all in for Buffalo. Like we're not, I'm not thinking of anything else beyond it. But what Sam told me this morning is like, you know, there's another race after Buffalo and there's another race after that race. And there's going to be more races. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, there's no, no sense 
and fretting over, you know, something that you can fix in, in a few weeks mm -hmm. uh, or a few days. Um, yeah. No one's going to care if you miss a run. Like Jack Daniels is not going to come down on me when I, when I say <laughs> I skipped a five mile easy run. Like, Cody, where <laughs> were you today? <laughs> he doesn't I'm sorry, care Jack Daniels. Me, actually. So like nobody cares <laughs> as much as you care. And that's all you mm -hmm. got to think about is like, but care more about your body and what, what's going to keep you going. Yeah. I think and those mind kind shift. Of Sorry, yeah, no, I was just going to I was just going to say, I think this kind of lends to a conversation about the pain cave. Yeah, as it is part of our part of our name here. But in the sense of like, like I think about the pain cave, I think about it. I thought about it a lot when I ran New York and that it's something that if you really think about it, it's all there's always an upside. You can explore deeper into the pain cave, which means you're in more pain. But that also means that you're discovering like what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to be able to kind of ride that line of how quickly do you want to like or you're going to feel better and then you're exiting the pain cave and, mm -hmm. you, and like things get better. So like for me, the, the thought of it is when you're in a race and you think about it, it's hard to it, it's a way of tricking yourself to never being negative about things. But at the yeah. same time, like you know, maybe, maybe some of our takeaways is more about being able to explore the pain cave, but making sure that you're doing it on your own terms of like always like, you know, when you, when you climb Everest, you can't do it all in a day. You have to get up to base camp. Mm -hmm. You have to come back down. You have to go to camp too. And like, it's, it's like acclimating yourself to elevation. It's, you know, going further and further, but stepping back out, realizing where like what you've now learned and then going further right and there's also many different pain caves right like we're thinking of the pain cave as like that's what we're in when we're going to be running that race and getting mm. comfortable in it but there's a ton of different pain caves and it's all about how do you cope with the thing that makes you want to quit and right now my pain oh. cave and it sounds like all of our pain caves are like how do we take a step back when we don't want to mm -hmm. that's uncomfortable for me it is easier for me to want to push through an injury because I feel like I got to push for a goal. My pain cave right now is taking that step back and saying, I have to be comfortable and accept that rest is, is, is a form of discomfort for mm -hmm. me. And by doing that and realizing the pain cave you're in, in that moment will ultimately help you be more comfortable when you're in your 26.2 pain cave. Right. Hopefully or not. But each one is essentially I, I, I view the pain cave as like, what is it today that is calling you mm. to to sit in discomfort so you can find the growth in it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that actually means slowing down, relieving yourself of the physical pain and taking that step back when when you absolutely don't want to. Right, right. Diving into that pain that cave. Was money, Sean. Diving Mike in drop. to, to <laughs> come out <laughs> better. Yeah. I listen to Rich Roll. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, it's a great point, Sean. I, do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. Keep, go, go, go. I mean, I was just the last thing I was going to say, just kind of on the on the uh, topic of like the, the marathon trials this weekend, like Molly Seidel, right. you know, she's mm -hmm. a prolific runner and, you know, she came out two days before and had a really emotional Instagram video basically saying that she broke her damn knee 
and was mm. still trying to run at the Olympic trials. Like we are novice runners um, and yeah. we're not, you know, training for an Olympic trial. So, you know, we, we don't have to, you know, and we yeah. also don't have a, a staff of physios uh, trying to, you know, get us back to back to our normal selves. But, you know, it just that put a lot into perspective for me that she went on and was like, hey, unfortunately, uh, I tried really hard. That was her pain cave of like trying as hard as she could to be ready. And she just had to say, listen, I can't I can't run this. Um, I'll see you guys in four years and you better believe I'm going to be, you know, hungrier than ever uh, that next that next Olympic trial. So that for me, I was That's like, a pain cave. yeah, that was her pain cave. And, and she came out on the other side stronger and she will be stronger. And that's what's going to happen to to Sean and I. We're going to come out on the other side stronger. Hmm. And Kyle, your IT band is going to come out on the other side. I bet you. Well, I don't I can't say I bet you, but maybe had you not stopped there, it <laughs> would have and, and stretched. It would have been, you know, God forbid, yeah. a, a yeah. two months recovery for an IT issue. So, um, yeah, just listening to your bodies and and knowing when, like you said, Sean, knowing when to change your paint cave into something else, whether it's a, a physical pain or a, a mental, a mental pain. So interesting, mm-hmm. interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, um, I mean, I don't, I would, we were going to transition a little bit to the Olympic trials. I don't, I caught the last like hour and a half of it. I, cause I was, I was out running. Um, but Molly was one person that I was definitely planning on. Cause I remember <clears throat> seeing the video on mm-hmm. her Instagram and someone, she's someone that I've followed, followed for a couple of years now. And like, that must have been like for someone who was coming off, like, I mean, she was a bronze medalist in, like in Tokyo yeah. and just had a lot of great things going for her and seemed to be getting faster and faster. But she just had a killer. Definitely, uh, I think she ran Boston last year or, or one of the more recent marathons. And she had a pretty killer showing. So. We all wanted that for her, but yeah. Um, but the but Olympic yeah, trials were great, man. They yeah, are fun. You, you want to talk a little bit about them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aside from the low notes, there was some pretty cool high notes. Well, I, what I was going to say, just kind of keeping on topic too, is, you know, Sean mentioned that we're competitive, but we're a team in this whole thing. And that was literally Connor and Clayton. Like how awesome of a story yeah. is it to see two mm. teammates from college progress to professional athletes being coached together as teammates. And now they are going to the Olympics as teammates and finished one and two and Clayton, like him, like gifting him, uh, uh, gifting Connor the, the win. And like, I think he lost like 15 grand from, from not winning that race. Uh, yeah, but like, doesn't matter because they're teammates and now they're going to be teammates on another stage. Like, freaking crazy absolutely crazy definitely and inspirational yeah yeah i i for me it was definitely leonard leonard courier Mm -hmm. who's like his enthusiasm coming across the line knowing that he missed out by like minutes four years ago yeah and is now so i actually had to look this up because i honestly didn't understand why he was not automatically on the olympic team but so his circumstances are that if 
an American male does not finish in the top five at Tokyo, Seoul, or Boston, he will go to the Olympics. Really? Which is wild to me. Even if um, they don't beat his time? Is that how it works? Or is his is there a qualifying time of that? That's I think I'm guessing as long as you run an Olympic standard, which <clears throat> all of these guys are by like minutes. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, that that's according to NBC. It was just a news write up. So <laughs> I would assume <laughs> but that, that blew my mind. <laughs> I would assume that any American in those races that ends up beating his 209.57. Yeah. We'll have to we'll be, have to be pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially uh, I mean, maybe not at Boston. I'm pretty sure Tokyo. I actually don't know what Seoul looks like, but I think Tokyo is pretty quick. Tokyo's fast, yeah. Um I think I think Kipchoge's but, I mean this dude's dude, he's he's right. insane. He's I saw him. I, yeah, I think I uh, I think I told you guys I saw him running live in New Haven at the 20K championships back in 2019. And he okay. it, it was like he was gliding like he was it was like he was water skiing and he was getting pulled by uh-huh. a huge boat and he was f- just flying by and he crushed it. Mm. He absolutely crushed it. So. Yeah, and his smile was great at the end. Like I love that. Just You're like right. Be- disbelief. Yeah, best finish. And he came from uh like in in the 26th mile, he went from 5th to 3rd. So like it it was like a big like in the last point too, you know. Mm-hmm. He I mean, um how what was his name? Uh Zanning. Oh, Zach Panning. Panning. Yeah. I was com- I was combining his first name and <laughs> you last name. Zanning. Pack Zanning. Um, yeah. Pat Zanning. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, man. Um, He'll never hear it. Um, But, you know, he was falling off because he literally led the group for 26 miles. But, um, well, no, for like 23. But, um, yeah, I thought it was just wild to... You could physically see someone who fought so hard Mm -hmm. for third place. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I guess the 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 only other shout out, and I was always look I was looking for him the whole time was Reed Fisher, man. Yeah. He always I mean he came in ninth. He did he ran an amazing marathon, two eleven, thirty-four. Um and I I know I I watched like all of the Tin Man Elite Mm -hmm. like YouTube marathoning videos. So I feel like when you when you get to see the behind the scenes so much of someone, you just hope and then you like watch a broadcast and you're like, he's like He's like right behind. He's in the group, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's just kind of wild to see. But um, yeah, and then Fiona O'Keefe just crushed, deciding it. she's going to debut in a pro marathon, destroy the trials record by three minutes yeah. or so, um, and now she's going to the Olympics for a marathon, and she's only run one professional marathon in her life. <laughs> that's badass. I'm pretty sure that's what Molly Seidel did um, back in 2000. Like. Her marathon debut was okay. the trials, and then she got a bronze medal at the Olympics. Like incredible. Yeah. And she just looked smooth the whole time. Like she led for most of the race, yeah. which is like pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like to to have that good of a day. Um, yeah, Fiona O'Keefe, 22210 Olympic bound. I mean, everyone probably watched. Hey, if you're listening to this, you probably watched, but uh Emily Sisson always also going. She was incredibly smooth Mm -hmm. it seemed like the day went exactly how she planned for it to go you know i think her day was what everyone hopes in a marathon she came out she ran super consistent 
Um, and you know, Fiona O'Keefe had an amazing day. Mm-hmm. If she, if O'Keefe didn't have an amazing day, Emily Sisson probably would have been the number one American female. So it's just kind of like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, cause they were within a minute of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, Dakota Lindworm. I don't know. I mm-hmm. hadn't heard of her, Me but I mean, she was crazy enthusiastic when <laughs> she crossed the finish line. Very excited to go to, uh, Paris. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I honestly have only been watching like broadcasts of marathons for a couple, like maybe like in the last year or two, even as someone who's been running for a while. So I feel like there's like, I'm, it's still all kind of new to me. Um, yeah. and it's interesting to see people run for hours and then like, it's like a movie, the drama of the last like <laughs> couple of like, you know, the last point two is just wild. People can just go down because their bodies like just kind of give up and they've pushed so hard like it's wild it's it is we crazy. get to watch from our couches yeah the first maybe the first like half marathon of, of that is not <laughs> maybe you just you just tune in for the the last 20 minutes and that's the exciting part they're all smooth in a yeah. group yeah when i checked in i think both lead groups were still a group of like eight or nine i was like okay i haven't missed any of the big moves yeah yeah the drama's at the very end exactly oh yeah exactly speaking oh, of drama speaking of drama <laughs> oh boy we're going there i think it's time we're going i there. think it's time a couple minutes just a couple minutes of premier league updates premier league hot takes um yeah what's um i mean early on yeah obviously tottenham dropping points against everton we love to see it we do love um, that love to see it aston so Villa. typical Taking the bye week against Sheffield, 5 nothing. That's Jeez, um, the one guaranteed win in the Premier League right now. Sheffield mm-hmm. has the worst Premier League defensive record of all time. Uh, they, Yeah, that's about... It's like, <laughs> is it Sheffield? It's a free hit. Is it Sheffield every year? Um, they get beat like 5, 6, 7 nothing. Like I know Leicester did it one year. United did it one yeah, year. Uh, I mean, they had... Is, Derby County Derby. had like oh one year one with like 11 Derby County points won, or something. Yes, they won like two games one. the entire season. Yeah. This was like back in like 06, 07. One win, one win, and it was against Newcastle. I remember that. Yes. And now uh, they're different days. You know, now they're in shambles even more now. But the Reds, the, uh, or I said, I should say the Red Devils, they came up with a important win against former manager David Moyes and... Mm, our our birthday yes. boy Rasmus Hoyland scored a a, a beauty, uh, and then Alejandro Garnacho. Man, I don't know what is up with him, but he's just scoring at will. Uh, this is this is the United front three that we all wanted to see all year, and they're they're finally starting to fire, and it may have something mm. to do with Kobe Mainu playing CDM. Um, that kid is uh, legit. He's that kid is. Very, very. He's something good else. What's he? Eighteen. He's eighteen years old. He just scored the win, the a ninety sixth minute goal winner against Wolves. against Wolves. Was unreal. It was a Meg cut in a curler to the far post and then low to the ground. I mean, celebrated. You can't get better than that. Yeah, and celebrated like he had ice in his veins, man. Like, like that wasn't his first goal ever in the right. Premier League, <laughs> and just won the game for for United. Three points picked up. So. Yeah. Yeah, United are looking good. That's great. We did lose Lisandro Martinez to Again, another um, no ACL tear there, but uh, 
he's hurt again. This is like he, six to eight weeks. Six I saw. to eight weeks. He was back for three games after breaking his metatarsal. Um, and he's out again. He was a huge difference. That's my hot take for the Premier League is that him in the United team is United are a completely different squad. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, freaking Liverpool's defensive woes and Arsenal's masterclass. Well, yeah, so I will say and I'll, I'll end this with my hot take of the weekend, but I still think there's something really impressive about Arsenal playing so well for 45 minutes, scoring an own goal, going into a the locker room. Goal. I know, like what Gabrielle did, like a full 360 Macarena, spun himself <laughs> around, and then was like, oh my God, it's my goal. Like, he had no idea. <laughs> wrong goal, wrong goal. <laughs> Dang it. Um, and like to come out of the locker room. And still play a second. Like, it's got to be kind of hard to play that well. And then just, like, Mm -hmm. let a goal in and be Mm -hmm. like, okay, I guess we have to go back out. But, like, came back out, did business. Like, thankfully, things came earlier rather than later. It didn't have to be, uh, you know, a 90-plus minute game, even though the yellow cards were flying. Mm. Uh, What, Konate out with a late red? red. but yeah. Um, you know, Zinchenko and Ben White are best buddies again after a little feud last weekend. <laughs> they kissed um, and made up. What do you think about Kai Havertz up top for you guys? I mean, he seemed to, oh, to give Kanate and Van Dyke a, a very hard time. He's okay. Like, I'm also like, I'm the biggest, like, you know, Kai Havertz, he needs time. I want to support him. Mm-hmm. But it has to be hard when like week in, week out, <clears throat> like the soccer goal. Is a Kai Havertz breakaway that he just whips straight into the goalkeeper. Yeah. It bounces off it. the keeper and then Saka puts it in and it's like, I've come watched on, that happen man. for years. Every, I, it's, I saw him get through and I knew I was like, he's not going to score. He did that for Chelsea for years. He'd get through. He's so composed until it matters mm-hmm. most. I'll give him credit though. Allison is a great 1v1 uh, keeper. True. Yeah, and he's big. He's he phenomenal. Big. But, Saka, I mean, following the play, and I don't know how many players, and this is probably something they said in the commentary, but how many times do you see a player go on a breakaway uh, and then nobody follows him? But Saka was like, I'm yeah. going to, Saka probably knew ready. that Havertz was going to mess that up. And then, <laughs> that's <laughs> actually like, I'm going to be right here. Yeah, that was, and man, I don't know what what's going on with Van Dyke. I don't know if he's missing Salah uh, or, or Bradley, but game. uh yeah, that was Liverpool looked off it that was that bad. day. It, credit to yep. Arsenal. Well, they Truly, were credit to Arsenal. They look good. But Liverpool. Yeah, was that was one of the the I don't want to say that was a, the worst game I'd seen them play this year, but they 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 looked very, very rough. And, yeah. and credit to Arsenal. They took advantage of that and they didn't get nervous playing the, the league leaders. They showed up. Mm-hmm. They did what they needed to do. And Liverpool kind of caved on themselves ultimately. So good win for Arsenal. Yeah. I did not think in February of 2024 that I would be watching an Arsenal side with Declan Rice and Martin Odegaard and ending the game saying, I'm so happy we have Jorginho. <laughs> he was great, man. He was awesome. Jorginho is a quality player he's like, that uh, so gets so overlooked because he's slow. He's not exciting. But boy, that guy knows how to lock in a game, position himself to relieve pressure. Yeah. He's He's truly... 
He is the Olivier Giroud of center defensive midfielders. <laughs> He's like slow, a, but gets the job silky. done. He's like a Jaka yeah. yes. that we were talking about last week. Like yes. just a great, gets better with age, great player. And Mike, one question for you, Kyle was, do you think, and, and Sean, do you think that it was Liverpool had a bad day and Arsenal took advantage? Or do you think that Arsenal just took it to Liverpool and that is what made Liverpool have a, have a bad day you know the the pressure was there van dyke was scared you know coming out with with uh havertz running at him uh or sorry martinelli running at him flying at him (laughs) you know i'm i'm curious because a lot of times you 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 chub it up to a like oh well they had a bad day but i think arsenal was just better and made them have a bad day like that is that for me that's what i think so And Arsenal were home, too. They had the crowd behind them. They had I mean, you cannot discount the impact Mm -hmm. of a home crowd behind you. I mean, Liverpool win a lot of games because Anfield is a fortress that is terrifying for people. The Emirates have turned into something similar to that in many ways. Like you could feel the energy of the crowd in that game. And Mm -hmm. I think Liverpool just didn't cope with it well. So I think it's more so that Arsenal made Liverpool look that way rather than Liverpool mm-hmm. simply having an off day. I think the individual crazy errors compounded that. Yeah. But if you removed those, I think Arsenal would still have won that game. Yeah. Maybe if I, not towards the very end. Yeah, I think, um, I think, well, I think Liverpool on a bad day is still terrifying. True. Um, I think, yeah. but definitely at home, Sean makes a good point. Anfield compared to home is, it's very different. It's a very different, when you go to Anfield, you just hope for good things to happen. Mm-hmm. But I will say a team as good as Liverpool, with the way the game played out, there was moments where even though they were playing awful, they could have gone into that locker room and been like, we just got really lucky with an own goal. They could have turned it around. So I think where I would give credit is Arsenal still didn't let them. They didn't Mm -hmm. give them a moment to be like, okay. They didn't give them a window to shift the momentum. They kind of stayed on top of them, kept them disheveled um, and played the game that we all have kind of liked to see from the early pep generation of like, even when your things are going your way, you have to keep attacking mm-hmm. and it just yeah. keeps a team kind off. of disheveled. Um, so, yeah, I, I like to give a little bit of credit to Arsenal. Uh, just a little. But I mean, Liverpool's terrifying. Like, we had to win. Yeah. Liverpool didn't yeah. have to win. Like, so it was, we were the, you know, the underdogs that needed mm-hmm. the points. So, yeah, now we've got yeah. City with two games in hand. Uh, I think if they win, I know. I think if they win both of them, they'll, they'll jump they'll up. They'll be over, top by a point, I think. Right. Just is that what one. it is? So, yeah. Cause they won today. They beat Brentford three to one. Oh, I Foden didn't... had a hat trick. Oh, who scored for Brentford? Yeah. Tell me it was Ivan uh, Tony. <laughs> no, I think it was Neil Mope. I think it was Neil Mope. Oh darn! All right. Well, there yeah, goes there goes my guy. fantasy points. So oh, before dude. we wrap it up, I have I have one quick hot take. I think Pochettino yeah. is is gone in in the next two weeks. You think so? And you think Jose I'm Mourinho's a coming ton back? About it. <laughs> I think right now the circumstances <laughs> are, so epic. are. I'm I honestly I'm I I would not be surprised. I truly wouldn't. I am seeing a lot come out recently around not just team morale, but Pochettino's relationship mm-hmm. with the mm. board, with Todd Bowley. Um, I mean, their loss at Liverpool, fine. 
young inexperienced team getting overwhelmed at Anfield. That's forgivable. Losing four one at home to Wolves is inexcusable. And letting we have the same yeah. amount of points. We have we no, we have one less point this year than we did at the same time last year right. under Graham Potter. Mm. I'm reading a ton right now about the board seriously considering removing Pochettino before we get into the FA Cup final or the Carabao Cup mm-hmm. final against Liverpool. I would not be surprised if Poch goes and Jose comes in as interim to the end of the year. The That's the my year. hot take. It could not happen, but I like it, it seems though the circumstances are just lining up perfect enough that mm-hmm. one could hope that it might. Now, do you think that will make like like where's the like is there a benefit to it or is it just a we're going to make it look like we're fed up with how things are going so they're going to well, fire a coach? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I, you know, I have been pro Pochettino since he came in Mm -hmm. because he has a track record of developing young players. With that being said, I've watched the games and it it genuinely feels like a lot of these players are regressing. Mm -hmm. The Enzo Mm -hmm. Fernandez that ran the Chelsea team last year, despite, you know, being surrounded by a bunch of players that didn't want to be there, looks a shadow of the player he once was. Moises Caicedo, who last year was being hunted by Liverpool and other top teams, is losing possession in places that we wouldn't lose possession. You have a system in play. Like you watch, you know, Connor Gallagher's in there doing his thing. Great. We need a homegrown talent in there. But that Chelsea team, truly, you watch them play and you do not know what the game plan is. They look lost. Mm -hmm. They look dejected. You can feel in the system that the guys don't know what they're doing. And ultimately that comes down to the manager. Sure. I think Pochettino feels, I can see he looks checked out. I think he doesn't know what to do with this group of players. I think at a deeper structural level, the recruitment has been abysmal since yeah. Roman Abramovich has left the club. And I think the owners have to also take ownership on that. This new structure just has been an, an utter catastrophe <laughs> since they've taken it over. So I would not be surprised if they let go of Poch, finish out this year with the interim manager, and then this summer re-look at how the recruitment has come. I think they've brought in some leadership like Paul Winstanley and some other kind of like directors of football who have Mm -hmm. demolished any any potential of us becoming a a top team again. Mm -hmm. So I, I know I'm one of those odd people in the Chelsea fan group that actually is not... I don't hate the new owners. You can see that they are putting in a lot of effort and energy into trying to make this work, but just, excuse my language, like fucking it up terribly. But they haven't bought it and just left it alone. Mm -hmm. Like they're tinkering with it. I think think this year, after two years of trying, you'd be like, this model doesn't work. Let us just rebuild. So I think in two weeks, we're going to play Aston Villa and lose and he'll get let go. Yeah. That's my guess. I mean... Chelsea has also been dealing with an insane amount of injuries, too. I feel like every time I watch Chelsea play, it's a different team. Like Gusto was in this weekend. I don't know if he played last weekend, but I haven't seen. He was injured. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't seen him in in weeks or or months. And then I don't even. You forget Nkunku's even there. Nkunku is playing like Nicholas Jackson came on and just looked like a shadow of what he could have been at the beginning of the season. But I mean, that was the issues yep. with United. Like we could not start the same yeah. lineup and we were often playing players who could not play 90 or 
you know, it just like the, the style of play just didn't suit them. And with these players that are coming yeah. in, they probably don't know what Pochettino wants to do because they're just, no. they're like reserve squad players. Like they don't, they don't really care. They no you idea. know, they're getting paid insane wages to just sit on the bench. You know, and this is me being a little critical of, of Chelsea's recruitment, but like, no, I mean, it's, it's justified. We're, we're yeah. in 11th place and spent over a billion dollars. It's yeah. absurd. It's crazy. You know, you look at someone like <laughs> Ten Hag, who, yeah, their tenure hasn't been great, but like that guy has a vision. He's cutthroat and he's not afraid to make mm-hmm. hard calls. Granted, it hasn't always worked out, but like the players know what they're getting from that guy. And, and trusting, like trusting a starting yes. lineup, like he's trusting for some reason, Eric Ten Hag trusts Anthony to go in over like anybody <laughs> else. And he's Anthony just needs a confidence boost. And that's why he's playing him. Yeah. yeah. But it feels like Pochettino yeah. is just like, you're not, you didn't do well last week. So we're going to pull you. We're going to put somebody yes. else in and. He doesn't instill confidence yeah. in these players doesn't, because doesn't he's work. nervous about his job, I think. So I think it's just it's the same thing as it was last year. And it's going to be a second year straight of the new system trying to materialize and just like spectacularly crashing <laughs> and burning for everyone to point their finger back. Like, ha ha, Chelsea, suck it. And I just have to sit on the sideline and be like, I'm going to go for a run instead of watch this game because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I knew exactly I knew exactly what you were doing when you went for that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Wow. The timing couldn't have been any more strategic. Well, hopefully they can pull off some sort of some sort of silverware in, in the EFL Cup. And, um, yeah. You know, hopefully Pochettino stays for, for my sake and for Kyle's sake. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sean. We'll see. We'll see. Should not have wanted to happen.